Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. To Flame On, I am Brian the Bear. I am here with my cohorts, Pat the Bearskin Rug. What's going on? And, of course, his bitchiness, Miss Oral. Hi, everybody. We are all here, uh, and the, by all of us, I mean the three of us, to talk about one of the topics that we hold very dear in Flame On, so much so that Eric yells at me every time it comes up in a normal episode. We don't really talk about anal douching and bleaching on normal episodes. <laughs> I read an article about that today. So peculiar. It's fascinating. Anal bleaching it is so peculiar. We'll talk about that on another episode. Actually, a good idea for a future topic. So, uh, Doctor Who, Oral, myself, and Pat are all big Whovians, hooligans, whatever your favorite Doctor Whom, who, Doctor Whom. <laughs> Doctor Doc- Whom. <laughs> it's so proper in that. <laughs> Um, we're all big fans. I think we are the three big fans of the Flame On family. And we have not had a Doctor Who microsode since the, I'm going to say it right, Capaldi announcement. Mm-hmm. We did a little reaction thing right after that. But that was sort of, when was that? Is that during season seven or somewhere yes, in there? Yes, it was during it. But, but it was, there was more season seven or series seven after that, I think. Yes. So if I'm not mistaken. We didn't really touch on some of the earth shattering events of that. Much less the 50th anniversary and the most recent Christmas special that just aired only a few weeks back, marking the spoilers if you are not keeping up at all with Doctor Who, the end of Matt Smith's run as the 11th Doctor. So we have a lot to talk about. I'd like to start with our thoughts about Series 7 and assuming we've probably already talked about all the uh, uh, Amy stuff enough. We could start somewhere in the Clara era, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, or Clara, as they say. I uh, specifically was very conf- 
concerned about her as a character. Like, I didn't know if I would love her as much as I really loved Amy. Mm-hmm. So I feel like now having seen her for basically half a season and then the, like, you know, the specials, almost a full season of, uh, of care of, of, yeah. you know, like a normal character would get. I really do like her. I mean, she's got a great personality, great chemistry with Matt Smith, uh, and other, you know, random characters that appear. She's not all just happy-go-lucky. She's actually very kind of bossy and controlling at times. Uh, but, um, I'm very relieved that she, you know, kind of lives up to the spunky companion that we've had in the last, you know, however many companions we've had since the reboot. Mm-hmm. Well, they, I, there hasn't been a companion since like 2005 that I've actually truly hated. I mean, they all serve their purpose and they're all a very good foil for him. Mm-hmm. Um, my least favorite being Rose. Gap to <gasps> buck to Oh, we're about to have side one. eye. And, and, no, because you know what? Plucky and poor can only get you so far. And that's what Rose is. She's plucky and poor. And then she went to a parallel universe. Well, that's fine. And then she's still a bitch. <laughs> um, my favorite's Donna. And so, like, I, and you know, not that I dislike Martha. Martha's great. Um, she was so, so just like the poor. She was the rebound girl. Yeah. Yes. And it was so sad. Yeah. And like they, they've done a lot to, to work on a character, but to not derail. Like Claw is, is, is great. I like her. She's not my favorite, but she's good. I'm curious what her arc is because every companion that they've had definitely has an arc as a character. Whether the arc went the way you liked or wanted it to is different. Mm-hmm. Cause I would dare say that, uh, not Martha, but, um, Donna, her arc was kind of weird and sort of sad at the end. No, it was super sad. Um, uh, Martha, I felt very empowered by her leaving, choosing to leave. So I feel like her arc was actually really good. Rose, you know, of course, great arc because she had all this heartbreak and all that was good. Amy and, and Rory had an interesting kind of development as characters with the Doctor. So that I, I felt satisfied by that. But I guess with Clara, what I'm interested to see is what do they do with her now? Mm. And we're going to get here in a second to the kind of reveal of why she is the impossible girl why she showed up in the dalek asylum and uh the snowman episode which was last year's christmas special yes um but before we get to that i i just i'm curious now now that we know what her deal is where's she gonna go what's she gonna do what how other than being you know again matt smith's kind of he's left being the kind of continuity companion Mm -hmm. uh kind of like rose was between eccleston and Tennant. what's her art gonna be with the doctor and what's her art gonna be as a character is she gonna you know, she's kind of developing as like a teacher, as a person. Like, you know, what are they going to do? That's kind of what I'm wondering now. Because I feel like they kind of peaked her her secret, her reveal, you know? Which I'm happy about because there's no reason to drag it out. Okay. Um, But we'll just, we'll see. Maybe yeah. she has a new story arc. Maybe she's more than just the girl who split herself over a billion years. Clara is my favorite since Rose. Sad eye or not, from Oral. The thing that I like about Clara versus the other companions, Rose and Clara, I think, were the two that their companionship was almost independent of the doctor. Okay. You had Martha, who, as the, you know, the smitten one and her, her whole existence in the show until she got the backbone and, you know, the brass ovaries to just be like, you know what? I'm out. You know, this isn't for me. Um, Donna. As much as she wasn't a romantic interest in, you know, with the doctor, it still was so doctor centric. And then Amy and Rory had each other, but it was still so much Amy focused around the doctor. 
the raggedy man from childhood through you know being an adolescent through all of that clara once we find out why she's the impossible girl obviously it's very doctor centric but her life didn't really focus around the doctor it, it was very she's developing outside of that having the teaching job and having all these other things it just kind of seems mm-hmm. like she's able to live a life that isn't just about the doctor right yeah so and i like that and because she's going to have to bridge the gap between um smith's run and capaldi coming in as the new doctor it's nice to see that there is that bit of her being herself and just being you know being somebody outside of just the doctor's companion well in fact the very way she starts traveling with him is very different from the way most companions go with the doctor Mm -hmm. most companions in the modern era and really historically too in the classic era they are always with the doctor they have nothing outside the doctor during that time Amy and Rory started to do that and have the doctor come back to them. But then look what happened to their lives. They fell to pieces. Well, (laughs) ultimately they chose to reject their, their old life, right? But Clara, from pretty much the first time you meet her as Clara, she, she's like, come back and pick me up tomorrow. And then they have this kind of like they're going on dates. So that is very different. And she does have her own existence that's very much outside and not defined by the doctor. So. And she also has a relationship with the TARDIS. Well, that's interesting too, because yeah. the 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 one thing that a lot of people don't always get to see are the microsodes that are the DVD extra, like the DVD only microsodes, mm-hmm. and the oh, fact I've never that seen any of them. I, I've seen a couple, and they're actually really freaking cute. Yeah, and um, <laughs> you know, the TARDIS starts out not liking her at all. Yeah, and then eventually the TARDIS becomes kind of fond of clara it's it's kind of cute to see so she has a she's one of the only ones that actually really has any kind of relationship with the tardis Mm -hmm. as odd as it is to say but yeah billy piper had a relationship with it she (laughs) ripped that sucker to bits (laughs) (laughs) which was kind of mimicked in a uh in a more recent episode yes so let's uh real quick we won't touch on each episode but let's maybe pick our favorites of the second half series seven with clara or clara uh, I'll, I'll fuck that up and I'll fuck up saying Capaldi. I'll say, I'll say Capaldi, not Capaldi. That's just me. That's my regional dialect. Can I say my favorite is when Clara turned into, uh, Tanuki Mario with the ears and the tail when she touched the, the leaf? Oh, yeah. No? <laughs> no. Damn. So, what of the three, or three, it was like seven or eight. What's your favorite? Um, I don't know who wants to start. I, I could still want to think about this a bit. <laughs> hmm. It, it was tough. I don't think the entire half of her season was extremely strong. The Nightmare in Silver was an okay episode. Gaiman came back to write that one, and his previous episodes were, I think, a lot stronger. It was yeah. nice to bring the the Cybermen back in, but right. his previous episodes were a lot better. Um, I want to say, I think Hyde really? was one of my f- favorite with her. Which one is that? Is that the one in the house? It's yes. a love story. Yes. Yes. It's the, it's the one where they're, they interdimensionally jump and they think that there's a monster there, but the, the, the one gets trapped in this dimension and they're back and forth. It just, I think it was such a, first off, I love the promo art. I think that was the best promo art in the entire, her entire run. Yes. And they're each lit on the other half of the face. Great promotional art. Uh, but I just think it was a, it was a very interesting story for, the new who like it, you don't really get these stories where it's you're like oh my god it's a monster story it's scary it's all this and then it really just turns out that you know they were sad and they wanted to get back to each other <laughs> like it just i think it was an overall 
heartwarming story for mm-hmm. the new Who. Set in a sort of 70s era, and that's one of yes. the things they did this season twice. They picked a very not traditionally explored era in Doctor Who culture in any time travel stuff. Uh, 70s in that one and 80s in the Cold War episode. Oh yeah, I remember the Cold Which War Which I have to say, and it has a little bit to do with the fact that I have a little bit of a thing going with submarines and all that stuff, but I did really like the Cold War episode and mm. also because it had one of the characters, uh, one of the actors from Game of Thrones in it, uh, who it's a name I can never remember, but he's the guy with the thumbs and the pouch. So The Onion watch, Knight. The Onion Knight, thank you. Brace yourselves, the Cold War is coming. <laughs> I've just recently gotten Pat to watch uh, the first episode of the Game of Thrones hey. stuff, so. Um, but no, he is just a phenomenal actor. Anytime he shows up, I'm very excited. Plus, I, I do like when they go to the uh, classic well of character, uh, of, mm. uh, villains or creatures or whatever, and that they brought the Ice Warriors back in a way that I thought worked very well and actually sets them up to potentially show up again in the future, which is awesome. Uh, I really like that. Plus, any kind of confined space, you know, kind of, what do they call that? A, a, a closed room, or there's like a type of yeah. trope that they're doing there, and I, I definitely like that. Also, how can I forget? You know, David Warner uh, from many, many, many things with the old scientist, mm-hmm. and he was hilarious, and his reaction, like with Clara and all that, was awesome. So, uh, but I did like the game in episode two, but I agree it wasn't as strong as the Doctor's Wife, which is still one of my favorites. But mm-hmm. uh, Oral, what do you think? Um, I can't remember the title of it, but you probably will. Okay. It's the one where they're in like the Victorian setting, and it's like the the people get preserved in the houses. Sweetville. Sweetville. Yeah, I really like that because it's it's uber creepy yeah in the way only sometimes doctor who can provide because it's like yes it's building tension yes you know something's dubious you have the mother daughter like almost incestuous like the interdependent on each other super creepy independent yeah Yeah, um it reminded me of gray gardens and plus seeing like that secret symbiote mr sweet and Ugh. Like Clara having to do this, like be by herself and try to figure mm-hmm. it out. And then she gets preserved. It's just, it's really cool. And it built on that, um, like hide for me, which is, it's really scary. It's really scary. Cause when Doctor Who does creepy and scary, it does it really well. Sure. It's the Crimson Horror. Thank you. Thank you. You're Thank right. You. Um, and the coolest thing about that was Jenny Strax and yes. Vastra. Yeah. And that was going to say, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed Jenny, uh, Vastra and Strax. Strax is kind of comic relief most of the time, mm. but definitely the lesbian lizard Sherlock Holmes equivalent with her wife. Uh, they're just, that's an awesome duo. Mm. And I really hope, cause this season was very heavy with their involvement. I mean, they were in the, the snowmen, they were in the, the crimson horror and they were in the, the finale we'll talk about. Uh, but I wonder if they'll come back and be a part of the Capaldi, Capaldi era as well. Cause, they're just great characters. So. Mm. I wonder, um, I would love to see it actually spin off. Oh. Maybe not into like a full 13 episode like show. A web series or something. Either a web series or like the way that, um, some of the other BBC stuff goes. Right. Like Sherlock, three episodes of the season. They're each longer episodes. You know, you get the amount of time basically of like a 13 episode half hour show, mm. but you get it kind of in chunks and like a little bit more of that. Sherlock, like more of a Sherlock Who kind of thing. Yeah. Mix it and then you get, you know, the three of them. I have to also say in The Snowman, one of the, my favorite little musical moments. Actually, I'll say my favorite and my least favorite real quick. My favorite is when they actually use the music from Sherlock or they reference that. 
when he shows up to confront the great intelligence as like a fake Sherlock looking guy, they use that harpsichord thing that they do in the Sherlock mm. series. My least favorite moment of the music has to be in that the bells of St. John, the one where they introduce Clara as mm-hmm. Clara. There's this ridiculous thing where they're riding their moped and it keeps, it sounds like the guy, whoever's singing, saying Obama, Obama, like, like repeatedly. I and it's know. just jarring because otherwise I love that episode. And that one little moment was enough to just make me go, Oh, what are you doing? Thanks, right. Obama. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. So, um, let's, uh, talk about the finale because I think we've kind of touched around most of the episodes there. Uh, and this was called The Name of the Doctor, which will become important here as we, we talk about the titles of the things that follow this. The name of the doctor, of course, starts out with this r- kind of ridiculous con- conceit that they've not used before, but is not unheard of in like science fiction, which is time travel is possible with telepathy or with, uh, kind of like, you know, being in a, a, a not coma, but like a trance state. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can tr- astral project into the different time eras. And so the gimmick here is that uh, was the plot device for Wolverine and the X-Men. Oh. <laughs> Oh yes, we we've been watching that actually. I love that show. It's there's moments where it's awesome, but we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So, um you have Madame Vastra and Jenny who initiate the call, mm. the call they call it. And that's where the Moffat writing kind of plays with like sort of telephone conference call like terminology which is hilarious. They bring in Strax, they bring in uh Clara, mm. and surprise, they bring in River Song, Professor River Song, which we then find out that is pretty much her digital self, like yeah. her saved backup in the library thing. How did you get here? Disgracefully. Oh, oh that was beautiful. Um, so this, of course, is how they're going to share this little piece of plot information, which is the Doctor's greatest secret has been discovered. And the whole season of, of the season seven, especially in the second half, is like the Doctor has a secret. His name is what hidden or whatever. He's mysterious. All this stuff they've been kind of building up. And you find out very quickly that the great intelligence has come back. Um, and you knew he had come back from the snowman and the uh, bells of St. John. And he is threatening to expose the secret or, or force the doctor to basically expose the secret. So all of them, except Clara and River, I guess, the, all the other three get kidnapped, taken to this place that we've been find out is Trenzalore. And if you're a, you know, rabid Doctor Who fan, at least with the Matt Smith stuff, you know, Trenzalore is very important because this is the planet where he is supposedly going to die or fall or something's mm. going to happen. It's very bad. So this forces the Doctor to go to Trenzalore and then we have all that. So I don't want to keep giving this plot beat by beat thing, but um, that's the setup. And the rest of the episode is basically how does the Doctor and his friends get out of this terrible situation? Overall, did we like this as kind of a season finale? And did we did we enjoy just this one episode as much as what came before? I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings, so that's why I'm asking. Um, It's a very switch gear sort of thing uh-huh. where the entire season you've been moving towards this one direction. Mm-hmm. And once you get there... It, it's not that you didn't ex- you were expecting XYZ to happen. Right. But it felt very removed does that make sense like the entire episode could have just been this one episode and it would have been fine Mm -hmm. but it it didn't do what doctor who usually does very seamlessly which i mean personally for me was to tie everything in together right and i'm not looking for that 
Um, and it's not a bad episode. No. And I understand, like, the plot device of, like, what happens when the doctor actually dies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, let's talk about that because that'll play an important role. But see, here's what I, 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 I that I do not understand because in the Christmas special, uh, I know you're going with yeah, that. X, but, Y, Z happened. Right. So let's, let's hold, let's well, hold that thought. Cause I want to talk about that a lot. I've been thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but just this episode, the name of the doctor apparently from a linear timeline perspective takes place, supposedly takes place well after the events of the Christmas episode, which are two episodes after or two specials after, mm-hmm. because at that point he's gone to Trendelore and has died. Because when we get to the planet, when they fall, yep. because the TARDIS knows where they're going, the TARDIS will not let them go there. Because as the doctor points out, the one place that any time traveler dares not go is the place where they die. Yep. So they, and by they, I mean the doctor and Clara have to fall out of the TARDIS onto mm-hmm. Translore. They see this giant TARDIS, and he explains to Clara that that's not just a monument, that it is the TARDIS it's itself. Huge. It's a yeah. huge, huge thing. That once the, uh, when the TARDIS dies, basically all of the bigger on the inside leaks out and it becomes huge to compensate. Which is a cool idea. And it sets for a beautiful, striking visual where you have all these graves. It's no. like a battle graveyard, they say. And you have this huge monument. It looks like a monument to Doctor Who, but basically it's his tomb. Um, so then they find their way in. Because, of course, you know, River Song is helping Clara throughout this whole thing. Left the conference call open or the line open or whatever. Yes. She kept it open to make sure that, uh, <laughs> to make sure that she'd be able to help out if needed. So they make their way in. The great intelligence wants into the tomb. Yeah. The reason being is that when a time lord dies, their time, they basically become this like a living scar in the universe. Yeah. This bundle of energy every time that they go through, through time and space. They leave scars and this becomes, they shed their body and, uh, and their time stream is basically left open. So their tomb has to be sealed and guarded because, mm-hmm. uh, anybody can just hop on into it. So the great intelligence wants to go in because they want to undo all the good that the doctor has done, which he gets to do. Yeah. So the great intelligence is sort of this embodied by a, a Richard E. Grant, amazing actor of one of my favorites, also played the doctor in a thing way back. Uh, brief, briefly. And he is this, like, embodiment of this, uh, intelligence, this, this psychic, whatever energy it's been bothering the doctor. And yeah, he, I think at this point he's got a real vendetta against the doctor. So he wants to go in and, and poison his time stream. So that's the kind of, right, so what happens you now, now, um, the plot stuff that follows is where it gets real tricky and I think falls apart a little bit. And I, and I agree with what you're talking about, Oral, and we'll talk about that. And but this is the part where I have the biggest issue with yeah. this episode. Yeah. So the character beats, though, from a character's perspective, which, again, as much as Doctor Who is science fiction, it's really fantasy. And a lot of it is character-driven, emotional sort of writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davies did it. Uh, Moffat does it all the time. You have some beautiful beats with Doctor and River, and they actually kind of put a bow on River's story, but at least in a way that kind of allows that downloaded version to kind of make peace with the doctor and they have a nice little kiss and it's it's really quite i was moved you know the doctor has to finally come to terms with the fact she's gone um you have some nice moments with uh jenny and uh madame vastra because you know jenny basically gets killed but Mm -hmm. brought back to life and so there's all that going on and then 
Clara reveals by, by basically realizing that she is, she had been kind of told by the doctor that she had been appearing in his time stream randomly, but then she'd die. And he did, she just didn't understand it. So he called her the impossible girl. Well, it turns out that this is the moment when she steps into the time stream to try to save the doctor and undo all the stuff that the great intelligence is doing. So that's the plot stuff. And they do kind of a cool thing at the beginning of the episode I forgot to mention where they actually take the first doctor and they use like CG to kind of make it like when he's getting into the TARDIS for the first time Mm -hmm. and Claire actually stops him and says, no, you don't want that one. And then they later show that it's because, you know, this other one's the one that's got a better, it's, it's the TARDIS that it should be, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Um, you basically see little vignettes of her saving the doctor throughout all the different incarnations, which is kind of cool because you get to see a lot of the old doctors appear. And then that kind of just undoes everything. So that's like the, the Moffat undoes thing. Cause you know, like the universe was reborn in series five, mm-hmm. series six was the time starts moving again. Bullshit. And then this, this is the up. Oh, she's fixed everything. Great. Everybody's back to normal, but she's stuck in this time stream. So, of course, the doctor is like, I have to help her. And they're like, stop, don't go into your time stream. And really, what's the consequence of him doing that? No, Nothing. No. Uh, but this was all, I think, engineered why she's stuck there, whatever. Because once she's in this time stream, she actually does see his, quote unquote, darkest secret. Which, for those of us who've been following the show since 2005, we know, and they've referred to it many times, his darkest secret is the fact that he basically killed his race to save the universe. I mean, he killed the, his race of the Time Lords and the Daleks to kill, to, to save the universe. And so the reveal is the War Doctor. Or at the time, he was just known as the Doctor. Even though he did not take the name the Doctor, they had this little graphic that shows William, or John Hurt, old man John Hurt with his leather coat and never turn around, and it says, introducing John Hurt as the Doctor. Well, no, well the best part of that was that he said, it was Matt Smith's yeah. line right before that was something to the effect of, he is not the doctor. Yeah. And then John Hurt turns around and says, John Hurt is a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a little weird and kind of funny. And I remember when we watched it, I just felt like, because I, by this point, again, I followed the production stuff. I knew he was going to show up at least the 50th anniversary. No. We, we knew he was coming. But, you know, like they'll do sometimes, like they did with the very first episode of Series 7, they showed freaking Clara in some way and we had no idea. We're like, oh my God, what's she doing here? Um, but, it was just weird. It felt very, I think I know what you're saying, Oral. I think I agree with you. It, it just felt not like a normal Doctor Who. And as far as an end of the season thing, it felt like a little too cliffhangery. It, yeah. Because it wasn't the end of the season. They, it, even though it was the 13th episode of series seven. Right. We still had two more specials. Yeah. It was that lead in that build up yeah. for the 50th and for the Christmas special. Um, and one thing, and it's sad that it's taken me this long to kind of realize it now. My biggest complaint mm. actually doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> well because and I'll, I'll i'll just say this now and then we'll get back to it my biggest complaint was when um 11 and clara are talking about this whole thing and uh-huh. you've got these extras running around in the old costumes and you know she sits there and goes but i've seen all of you i've seen all 11 faces yep and you also there you know we sit there and go wait a minute but he's not the last doctor right because we haven't had the valley yard. We haven't had all these other all these other pieces. And you just kind of sit there and go, "Well, if you're entering his time stream, how are you just seeing the back end of it?" Yeah, yeah. 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 But well, now you get it, right? Well, I thought about this the other day, and that occurred to me, and I'm like, "Oh, yes." Okay. And we'll we'll discuss we'll that. that so second. we set up the 50th anniversary day of the Doctor is what this one's called. Saw it in theaters. Saw it at home. Saw it in theaters. We saw. Yep. 
Yep. In 3D. Yes, I did. And, uh, I will say just from a high level perspective, to me, it hit everything I wanted from a sort of a more cinematic Doctor Who mm-hmm. experience, both in the theater and at home. Felt like a movie to a point. Yeah. More than just a normal episode. I loved that they brought back the doctors in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. I also really, really loved the ending because to me, it undid and set right something I've long felt was an unfortunate choice by uh, Davies when he brought the show back. I understood what it, what his intent was because I actually, you know, I read the book. I read his book about you know writing Doctor Who, and he explains why he did this, and we'll talk about it in a second. But um, what do you guys think of the? It took me probably. I think I've only watched it a full two times in the theater after we watched it the day that it uh, it aired, and it took me reading a couple of articles to kind of explain some things. Uh, initial reaction was I did not like it. Not horrible, but it was not something that I sat there and was like, I love this. I am so glad that this was the 50th episode, or the 50th anniversary episode. Watching it the two times, reading some stuff about it. I read some stuff about it before we went and saw it in the theater. Uh, it gave me a little bit of a better understanding. I am probably the junior who fan in this room. Um, I am not, you know, diehard fanatic over it. I do enjoy it very much. Uh, I've only been in it since late 2005, early 2006 when a friend of mine gave me a couple discs, uh, and he was like, here, watch this. Uh, so there were some things that I didn't get. There were things that I did appreciate about it. Uh, visually, it was fantastic. I did love the nod to the, you know, the original series of the first episode with the, the opening credits, the going from black and white into color. Um, being shot in the school that started it all with Susan and Barbara and Ian. Exactly. So many nods to, to the beginning. Not even just, you know, the 50 years, but from the beginning. Yeah. And the fact that it was, it aired on the day that it started 50 years later. All of that was fantastic. Um, I loved that they didn't bring Billy Piper back as Rose. I kind of was sad because I do love Rose, but I did like the fact that it was the Bad Wolf, um, or the guise of Bad Wolf, you know, that the moment took. Mm-hmm. It, so overall, I think it, it wasn't a bad episode. I don't know if I necessarily loved it as much for a 50th, um, but that could also just be because I don't have an, the extensive knowledge of Classic Who sure. to appreciate all of the references and all of the uh, the little bits and pieces that paid homage to everything. Although I will say real quick, I did enjoy the fact that um, River Song's pumps were included in the Black Vault yeah, of, of Weapons of Mass Destruction. Just throwing that yeah, out that there. Fantastic. I I really enjoyed it. I'm glad, so glad that Billy Piper did not return as Rose because <laughs> I just couldn't. I just couldn't again. Um, everybody else, she's like, she's like, I'm back again. I'm like, I thought we caught you. Yeah. <laughs> um, now if she had come back with the Metacrisis doctor <laughs> and we had Rose, Tennant, Tennant, Smith, Clara, and Hurt. I would just, I, would've, I couldn't. My head's um, smooth. Uh, my. Your Donna? No. Who knew? You know, my classic who and i i I mean i I like it i just don't sit down to watch it because it's just it's bits and pieces of my childhood right and i i'm like it's there it formulated me i don't need to go back um i don't mind going back from time to time right um i've watched out of all of them the the time where he's with the brigadier general and and unit yeah yeah 
that's the part that I know the best, but I don't know it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it, it gave everyone, and I, I, I say this is going to sound really weird. It gave us from Tenet up and then right before Eccleston, because you could have not just known Eccleston existed, um, in the 50th anniversary and you would have been fine. Yeah. But that's because let's be real. He hates Dr. Who. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He doesn't want to be associated with it. And once his money dries up, he'll be on the Doctor Who Chitlin circuit with the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, um, and I like Christopher Eccleston. I, I thought like, he was a great doctor. Yeah. But, you know, overall, did I, I thought it did a good job at accomplishing what it wanted to do. Um, it had less to do with the, the name of the doctor than, um, cause, it's the bridge episode between the Christmas special and, and, um, the, the end of season seven. But it really could have just, like I said, like with name of the doctor, it could have just been lifted up, tossed over here and you would have been fine. Yeah. And that's the thing that I like about all three episodes, but I dislike because they're trying to like fit these puzzle pieces in. Yeah. But they don't they necessarily. Don't like tissue. Yeah. They don't necessarily fit together and they don't need well, to case in point the end of the name of the doctor we mentioned that amy or amy sorry clara was stuck in the time stream of the doctor which she shouldn't she you know she was going to die and the doctor can't save her and why the doctor shouldn't go in his own time stream they never left the time stream it just magically went away and when you start the time of, or the the day of the doctor they're all just back to their date thing where she's working as a teacher and he picks her up yeah. and then he gets picked up by unit i mean it, it was just, that was frustrating for me, and I thought, well, maybe they'll explain it in the time of the Doctor, and we'll get some resolution on that. Nope. So, you gotta just kinda go, alright, well, whatever, yeah, that had, happens. Had they, had they just, had they found some way to get her out of the time stream, and ended it without adding hurt at the end of Seven, I think it would have been a better right. closure to the season. Mm-hmm. Have your day of the Doctor, as your 50th, as your standalone, doesn't really revolve around anything else, but in a sense, retcons what happened between the movie and Eccleston's uh reboot mm. and you get that whole piece there and and I agree I I it's sad that I, I love Eccleston mm. I love Eccleston's doctor it's sad that he doesn't want to have anything to do with it because had he even just agreed to one day of filming for a couple of hours to be part of that regeneration it would have been amazing it I think the place would have, well, people's heads would have exploded during that. There was a moment in the Christmas special, Time of the Doctor, that would have rivaled that happening in a sense because nobody knew it. Nobody yes. knew it. And it would have been amazing to slip that in. They did try to CG it. Basically what you have happen is, uh, well, let's talk about the War Doctor because this is the one where it's a little retconny. Okay, it's a lot retconny. Uh, but at its core, I believe the idea was really to unify classic who and modern who. Mm-hmm. And to me, the point of the 50th was to really, it was a love letter to Davies. As far as I'm concerned, his era of doctor who, like many, 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 many things that they reference in, in day of doctor were from his era, including the moment, the time war. Um, I, I was at one point I was keeping track and I don't remember have my list in front of me, but a lot of stuff that referenced that just having tenant. You know, and all the little things, no. that, you know, Queen Elizabeth's in it. I mean, that comes out of, comes out of Davies and all that. But the War Doctor is this invention who is basically the Doctor after the Eighth Doctor, which by the way, we have not mentioned the Night of the Doctor. This is where like the titles get so, <laughs> of the Doctor. 
So you have bye 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 magic potion. We're good. <laughs> I mean, no. Bye 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 magic potion. We're good. Paul McGann is one of my favorite doctors. Yeah 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 yeah. Magic was, potion. And we're I was good. thrilled that they. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I got him to come back and do a proper regeneration because now it's seamless. Other than the weird Colin Baker thing, which is still kind of whatever, every doctor has been regenerated into the next and and so that kind of really completes the missing link you know of the doctor who story um the other thing and this thrilled me because i wanted them to do this forever is it put back the idea that there are time lords out there that gallifrey in some form still exists and to me you didn't want to abuse that. You didn't want to use it all the time. But in the classic era, that was always cool. Every couple of years, there'd be a Time Lord thing happen and you'd get all excited because mm-hmm. it's like another little bit of the puzzle that is the Doctor. When Davies took that off the table by killing them all, by having the Doctor kill them all in the Time War, it just completely took that away. And even though they use it in the, the end of time with Tenant's Regeneration and they mm-hmm. touch on it little bits here and there... I felt that the best thing that they did was retcon that back into existence, but do it in a way that was respectful of all the stories that came before that. Because the way they did it, the ninth doctor and the tenth doctor, they don't remember. Mm-hmm. They think they pushed the magic button, the shiny red candy-like or no jewel-like button, and they re- they blew up everybody. But Matt Smith now knows, and this is going to play a role here in the this Christmas special. He did save them. And mm-hmm. now we can go on with the story, which isn't just the doctor wandering around and having adventures. It's that plus he's trying to get home. Yeah. And I think that really, a lot of people were pissed. I know several people who are very pissed about that because when they came into Doctor Who, the core idea of the doctor was he committed genocide and he had to come to terms with that. Dual genocide. Yeah. Not just yeah. killing your own people. But killing your people and another race. Well, he killed a lot of people in that war. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot. Well, the war doctor is this warrior guy. So, but I mean, by, by keeping that all valid, but now giving the doctor something new to pursue, something Mm -hmm. that reunites the kind of the whole tapestry, I think that's beautiful. And I think it's probably one of the best retcons I've ever in comics or anything seen. But, you know, here's the thing. Can we, I think that everyone uses the word retcon to, too loosely okay and i don't i don't look at it as a retcon i think of it as part of the journey okay because he they don't know right it doesn't negate anything and is it so far-fetched that we could think that someone who you know has shown so much compassion 
someone who goes out of his way to help his friends and enemies alike right would actually when it came down to it be capable of killing trillions of people like tr- like oh, i shouldn't say people beings yeah um and and for me that made sense for me i'm not i'm not mad um i think people who fly off the handle don't really take both sides into account because you cannot like something right. but still realize it's very good yeah. it's just like with a comic book i may not like a single issue of something or that series doesn't mean it's not good it just right. means i'm not a fan of it but i know what you're getting at with with taking away um gallifrey and so anytime like for me who never really got to see old classic who and gallifrey mm-hmm. every little bit of it was that more much precious absolutely um and i and i and I think it it was a smart idea to take Gallifrey off the table. It simplified and it made it more efficient. I mm-hmm. totally and, and it gave like a darker element. Again, I understand why he did it. I never liked it, mm-hmm. and so like what you're saying. Yeah. I but I I was okay with it. But now that Moffat, in a very masterful way, has honored that, but yet moved the story forward, I think that was just really smart. And yeah, really and, well crafted. And now I'm super excited for the return of the Time Lords. Yes. when they don't usher in the end of all existence <laughs> yeah exactly um so because i really like their robes their robes are <laughs> fabulous they know how to fucking dress no they not the, the peasant bros but the the council bros. well yeah no, no, no will we ever find out who those two women were in the background hiding their faces like oh, weeping angels? don't even get me started on we that please just... don't even no it should have been romana and it was not uh anyway well and the other thing real quick because it did tie into um the 50th and it's, I know, something that Brian is a huge fan of. It made the audio adventures of the Eighth Doctor canon. Yes. yes. Because in oh, the <laughs> uh, in the Night of the Doctor, when McGann's Eighth Doctor is trying to save... Um, His... I cannot remember her name to save my life right yeah. now. Uh, when, he, when he pops into the ship and he's trying to save her, and he starts... He rifles off these names of these companions. Which why is he's regenerating. Oh, it says he's regenerating. Yeah, yes, he's yes. Like okay, I'm sorry. Forgiveness or, yes. you know, whatever. Uh, because then he ends it with the, the girl on the ship, mm-hmm. but he mentions all of those companions that are in the audio adventures. So now it takes something that these audio adventures have been around for a while, yeah. which aren't necessarily because it's not part of the television show. Mm-hmm. People don't know about them or, yeah. Yeah. So now it takes all of that and actually makes it a part of true who history. Yeah. So it, it was kind of cool uh, to see that. Um, the, it, it was definitely interesting though. I, I do agree with you with the retcon, the retcon piece of it. I was upset with it at first. Mm-hmm. And then it took me a minute to kind of settle back and think about it and go, it really doesn't change anything. When Hertz War Doctor or the Doctor at the end of it all, cause he reclaimed the right to have the name, uh, when he, when he stepped into the TARDIS and started regenerating, once he stepped into the TARDIS, he didn't know what the hell happened. No. All of that was gone. They all forgot. Yeah. No. So it was kind of, it, it took a minute and I was upset too. Cause as soon as the episode ended, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. This just makes me feel like the last seven years I've just been, yep. you know, I felt this way about the doctor and now it's like, oh, well, no, that's all gone. Yeah. But it's not like Jean Grey is the Phoenix killing a 16 billion broccoli people on a planet. <laughs> Killed them all. All. And then she comes back as, you know, she gets pulled out of the, the the bottom of the ocean so it's not like that where that whole thing doesn't exist anymore that wasn't that person this is all still the same you know eccleston for whatever time he was bouncing around before he met rose because there has to have been you know he didn't just pop in the tardis and then go save rose from the um 
He just didn't see a mirror until he met Rose. <laughs> Apparently yeah. not. People were taking pictures of him because, you know. All throughout history, right? He had all those different places. That he, JFK's assassination, I think, that yeah, was one of the pictures. That was, that was little... So he popped around, but uh, it, it was kind of... That guilt. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to kind of be by himself for a little bit. Then he met Rose and saw that he had a giant set of ears. But So real quick, and I want to move on. The awesome, like one of the most unexpected reveals, although I think someone had spoiled it for me, was the reveal at the very end with Tom Baker, oh. who pops back up. And it's the fourth Doctor, old Tom Baker. They didn't see GM at all at, at that point. And he kind of subtly indicates to Matt Smith's Doctor that they're both the Doctor, like, you know, because Matt recognizes his old faces. And how... You know, he may in the future decide to go back and reincarnate as one of his earlier incarnations, which no one, I don't think, had ever thought, oh, well, that'll happen. Because obviously, logistically, we know that won't. Mm -hmm. But that you could put that out there as a story beat to reveal that the Gallifrey thing worked. Because he basically says, oh, this painting that you thought was no more Gallifrey Falls is really Gallifrey, Gallifrey Falls no more. Like, that was a really cool moment. That kind of sets off uh, Matt on his uh, quest for finding home. So. That's that. Now let's one yes. last moment okay. on this. Speaking of the moment, uh, actually not speaking of the moment. So I'm sure when you saw it in theaters, oral mm-hmm. the entire room. Now, mind you, here in the U.S., this showed, or in our area at least, showed after. Yeah, yeah. It had been on TV. So as Who fans, because you know that you can't go five minutes into the episode without it being spoiled online. Oh, no. I, I, as soon as I could, <laughs> yes. I watched it because I'd oh, yeah. be damned. Exactly. Um, so we all had already seen this. However, when we were in the theater, there was still this crazy eruption. It wasn't even so much, not as much for the, the Baker piece at the end, but as the doctors are all circling, yeah. getting set, and you've got everybody you have oh, from yeah. Hartnell all the way through, and then next thing you know... Compile these eyes. Yep. So it was just like mm-hmm. crazy pop of, you know, awesomeness for that. So it was, was a nice cool. little touch. Very unexpected, just like the other stuff. Um, if you haven't had a chance though, you should also see the five ish doctors, which was Davison, Colin Baker, and, um, and, uh, what's McCoy, M- McCoy, Sylvester, and McGann briefly. And they basically were like pissed that they weren't in the actual 50th in a, in a tangible, you know, real way mm-hmm. without, you know, just old footage. And so they made a mockumentary about their misadventures of getting into it. Did you see it? No. It's on YouTube or BBC or something. It's it, pretty damn funny. Captain Jack is in it as yep. well. Yep. He is in there and it's, it's fabulous. It's really good. So let's move He's on. Straighten it. Well, <laughs> yeah. After He's got a wife and kids and then he leaves them behind. <laughs> it's the five-ish doctors reboot. There you go. Okay. Um, so fast forward to the Christmas special. We don't know what's going to happen other than pretty much we know he's going to regenerate. Find out after this little fun encounter with, uh, Clara's family and the doctor basically being naked the whole time. Actually, I think they were both naked. No, no, the, no, no. She, she was not, but he was. Yeah. But he yeah. had like a basic holographic, uh, uh, only Clara could see his clothing. So, he, you know, he meets the grandmother and he's just naked and all this stuff, you know, and talks about playing Twister and she gets all excited. It was just really fun little character stuff. Again, really cute humor. The only thing I didn't like about it uh-huh. is we have never dealt with Clara's family. Oh, yeah. First time. Why are we doing this? Yeah, I just, love just the grandmother thing. thing. The grandmother was the only reason why this entire family scene was there. Yeah. Um, And it was only for about 75% of the way through the episode. That's why she was there in the beginning. Well, well no, remember, it, 
we kind of got a glimpse like this leaf blah 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 well, we, know we saw her parents get together yeah. that's about it got together. the mom died the dad's still around I think they recast the dad didn't look like the same guy and doesn't matter nobody oh, cared because yeah. nobody's seen them well, right so oh, that's, that's the, like, the only family we saw were the kids that she nannied for and that was in like yeah, two episodes they just needed to, to ground her a little yeah. more and just have Christmassy stuff yeah. like you know she can't cook a turkey so they take the turkey into the TARDIS and they put it in the eye of the TARDIS or whatever and they kind of have it cook which is hilarious um, which if your dad's sending you step by step instructions about how to cook a turkey how do you not know how to cook a turkey? No, I never Cheese. The deal is, it sets us up for the, uh, the, the meat, which is basically the doctor gets kind of suckered into, kind of because he's just too curious, this planet that seems to have this weird signal that is emanating throughout the universe and all these races are coming to see what it is because they're afraid of it. And we have a return of this idea that there is this future church. That kind of like polices and does a bunch of kind of very important stuff, but they're mm-hmm. kind of militant, whatever. And they're protecting this planet from all these other races, including Daleks and Cybermen and yada yada. They were the first to reach the planet. Yeah. And they were able to lock it down. Yeah. To not allow anybody to get into the planet because they were, well, first off, nobody wanted to be the first one in. Right. Because they were all fearful. But you have every single race represented and you get this giant visual of outer space and what I really love, because this starts the story. Basically, the doctor going down to this planet, and he's got this hilarious little, well, sort of hilarious, Cyberman head that he's got as like a pet. Handle. Adorable. <laughs> I love the name. I thought that was really cute. Someone reminded me of him today, and I got really sad. Aww. <laughs> yeah, he's like the puppy who eventually kicks it, and the doctor's sad. But the uh, basically, this is Trenzalore. And we don't recognize this Trenzalore, neither does he... Because A, the, the handles guy thinks it's Gallifrey. Because yeah. he's asking for the source of this mysterious signal and it's Gallifrey. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like Gallifrey. And it's like way, way back before we had seen Trenzalore before, when it's this tiny little earth colony that has this like town called Christmas. Before we get there, okay. before we even get down onto the planet, uh-huh. he has to go to church. Oh, the church part's great too. Well, because. And I guess it's important, I guess. <laughs> What's your oh, name? Look. Tasha hey. Lim. So that's the whole part of the whole point of the naked piece at the beginning is that you have to be naked to go to church. Which is awesome. They can put the hologram clothes on, but they have to be naked to go to church. Um, so uh, Tasha takes the doctor and has to talk to him. Oh, you can talk in front of Clara. Well, maybe not every. All right, Clara, you just go and wait here. Or we'll be they right back. Lovers. <laughs> and we then get confronted with the silence again. Yep. Mm. And she is standing out there, and the silence comes at her. And it just starts going, confess, <laughs> confess. And then she runs away and she's like, well, and then she sees it again. It's coming at her. And then she runs into the room and they're like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. Clara basically in this episode got like a tour of all the bad guys. It seemed like <laughs> she got the silence doing that. She got the weeping angels grabbing her ankle. Because when they pop into the planet, yeah, because there. Tasha sends them, she allows them in with... No technology, mm-hmm. because she can't have a war break out with, you know, with all that. So uh, he can't bring the TARDIS key. He can't call for the TARDIS once they get down there to do all that. And they get onto the planet, snow covered, and Clara's ankle is gripped by something. And then they realize, oh, shit. They're all hanging out, waiting, looking yeah. at each other, doing something. I don't know, but... Yeah, so that's that's a and so the, the, before we tell you what happened there, Matt Smith as a, a, you know Matt Smith got cast in a role where he had to shave his head. 
and this is a movie coming out, I guess, in the near future, in an American movie. And they, we always like, oh my God, he's going to film the Christmas special with a shaved head. How's that going to work? And they're going to do a wig. Yeah, it's a wig. But I did love the fact that they worked that into the story beat, mm-hmm. where basically the doctor had shaved his head, mainly because he anticipated this. He was bored. Oh, that's right. He was bored. <laughs> he was that's bored. Right. He was bored. So it just worked out. <laughs> and he had the little remote key in his wig. So that was that was a cute way to acknowledge the real world uh, thing. Well, no, the best the best real world acknowledgement was when Clara looked at him and said, "Well, what happened to your eyebrows?" Oh, there, yeah. (laughs) And he said, "Well, they're just delicate," (laughs) which I never even noticed. I thought, like, "Oh, the doctor's got small eyebrows." He's got no eyebrows, basically. (laughs) So anyway, I don't want to go too plot heavy, but the next part's going to get a little crazy. Oral, what do you think of this so far? Are you liking Um, it? Did you think it was too much? I really, I really liked it. Um. It gave us what we all wanted, which was Matt Smith having a really long doctor's run. Oh my God. The longest. Yeah. Like he. Longer he, than all previous doctors. Mm-hmm, he got, he got everything he really wanted. He got some place to call home. He had friends around him who thought of him as family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then became like a father figure to everyone. Then he became their like doddering old grandfather. Um, and he had a place in the community, not just for a day, but for like, what? Hundreds of hundreds years. Hundreds of well, years. I think if you added up, well, no, I was thinking about this earlier, the, the 11th Doctor was alive for over a thousand years. Yeah. In different whatevers. But so for what we're talking about, because I feel like this deserves a little Oh, no, they, they, they know. They know. <laughs> they, the doctor, they don't know they're not listening to this episode. He's stuck. He can't leave because he is maintaining this truce of the silence. And I'm only making this explicit because it ties in the whole, you know, what's the oldest question in the universe? Doctor Who. Well, because before we get to the truce, there is a crack in the wall. Yeah, oh, yep. Then they tie in which the Which is the crack in the wall from Amy's room. Yep. Same exact crack. What it comes to find out and handles, decides to finally get it correct, is that it's Gallifrey being emanated from the crack. And that the crack is to another dimension where the Time Lords are. Where when they sealed Gallifrey into a pocket dimension, it was there. And the Time Lords want are are asking Doctor Who. To verify who he is. Yes, because if they know that the Doctor is there, the real Doctor, the Gallifreyan Doctor, then they will come through the wall. They will come through the crack into this dimension. If they do that, and this is what the Church knows... If they do, they're going to turn Earth, or turn Trenzalore, I'm sorry, into Gallifrey. And they don't want well, that. Well, no. They're, it's going to start the time war again. Well, but they need a base. Yeah, I don't... Trenzalore becomes the new Gallifrey, it starts the time war over again, millions die. See, I didn't think of it that die. way. I just thought they come back through the rift, and because the Daleks are there, the Cybermen, they just start to fight. What do you, th- what do you think they, the planet is going to become? Do you, well, th- do you think the Gallifrey as a planet is going to pop into, like, just pop right next really door? They didn't address that, but I didn't feel like it was the same thing that happened in the end of time. Yeah, where they I literally don't think were going to swap yeah. places or, you know. Well, I'm not, well, but I mean, it's a good saying, point. It I'm might. not saying that they're going to re, like, it's not like a Terrigen bomb and, you know, we're, we're turning it into <laughs> the inhuman planet. I it, like Terrigen bomb. <laughs> I'm trying to stay current with my, my pop culture mm-hmm. references, all right? That's okay. And humanity hasn't really started. Yet, <laughs> I'm not saying that they would they would remake the planet 
into Gallifrey. Yeah. But it's going to become their base. If they're going to come yeah, out to this planet, out, yeah. they're not going to be like, oh, where's the spaceship? Can I can I get a ride to a new planet here? <laughs> We're no. going to go through single file one by one. <laughs> this isn't Yana. He's not trying to take them to, uh, what was it, Paradise? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Utopia. Mm-hmm. Utopia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they're not getting on a rocket ship here right, and going. Right. They're not all going to single file pop into the TARDIS with the doctor. But the doctor knows this. And they, they all know this, which is the, why silence must fall. The church, the church is blocking everybody from going in because they do not want the Time Lords to come back. So the church changes the church of the silence, which then explains why the silence, when we first meet them, are trying to basically kill the doctor because they don't want this whole situation to even happen. Mm-hmm. So they've traveled back and are preventing this. So it ties together the crack in the wall from Amy's thing, the fact that the silence blew up his TARDIS, which we hadn't made explicit, but we kind of knew. Mm-hmm. The freaking, all the silence stuff, all the, you know, series six with River and the... the that was, cause they mentioned that she had gone rogue and she was a, a faction of the silence. The, the Madame, um, what's Madame Kovari? So it was, it was the Kovarian chapter of the. Book. Yeah. So Madame Kovaria was literally Madame like a, a nun, you know, Madame yeah. such as Anyway, it basically this is him tying all of this shit together. My only thing is this. So Trenzalore uh-huh. still became a battleground. Kind of. Not as but big. Yeah, yeah. So does, and I might have totally not seen this. Go on. Is Transalor still the place of his death? No. It's a paradox. Okay. They just swept that right under the rug. There's, there's no, I thought a lot about this because that's kind of what I do sometimes. And there is no way that it makes sense. That's what I without thought. Without being a paradox. That's what I thought. And we can, I can let a paradox go. Well, but in prior whatevers, a paradox has been a pretty big deal. Yeah. It so, was, it was never, ne- it wasn't necessarily referred to as a fixed point in time though. You're right. This is the thing. And this is why when I, this is why I phrased what I said earlier the way I did. I thought so. Chronologically, in a linear timeline, mm-hmm. the man who stayed for Christmas, is years upon years before right. the name of the doctor. Right. So they've jumped, let's say, okay, let's say it was 20, 2013. That is 2113 mm-hmm. in the name of the doctor. Yeah. They have gone to 2053 mm-hmm. and now are moving their way towards that. Mm-hmm. Year, It still could be years after because Oral yeah. said it's not as big of a graveyard. Oh. Had the final piece of it mm-hmm. had he sent clara away and the funny part is when we talk about clara and rose mm-hmm. so many similarities between oh, yeah. them oh, yeah. because no. the doctor sends her away in the tardis yep, tardis yep. supposed to shut down she figures a way to get back in and, and get back to the doctor um so they go to a time beforehand if time went the way it was supposed to go the doctor would die mm-hmm. Then the planet would open up and there would continue to be deaths and it would become the ravaged gravesite right. that the doctor and Clara go to in the name of the, in the name of the doctor. Right. So with that not happening, mm-hmm. with them getting to the point where, and I'll let you guys go into it, it doesn't necessarily become a paradox because it doesn't happen. But the fact that he already went to this thing that happened and then basically through his actions, it undoes that from ever happening. That is the definition of a paradox. And and again, I'm okay with it. And the fixed point in time thing is a good point. I hadn't thought about that. And they also refer to the fact that the Time Lords used to meddle in this shit all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, we saw it like Father's Day. 
Rose saves her dad. Yes. The giant pterodactyls come flying out of rifts in, right. the, in the sky, and then they have to go back, and it keeps on happening right. until she undoes it. Right. So there are bits and pieces like that, but at the same point, it was nobody mentioned a paradox. No. Until you mention a paradox, it's not a paradox. Well, no, no. In Doctor well, Who, the writer's not gonna <laughs> Moffat's not gonna beat you over the head with the fact that this doesn't but make he sense. Did the angels take Manhattan? Well, that's one of the things. Rory's death, like that whole thing, it's a paradox. And they go over it, yeah. and they beat you over the head with it. So this is the part of Doctor Who where you can't take it as, like, hard science fiction, because it does yeah. not hold together, and it does not make sense. But emotionally, the Doctor aging, and oh, he yeah. ages, the the way he gets his newer generation cycle, because they, they address that, because mm-hmm. that's been kind of this whole thing, oh, what's going to happen? He runs out of lives. Oh. He gets a whole new set of lives. He's uh, got his 13 new lives going. He takes out the whole freaking, you know, Dalek fleet with his regeneration energy, which was kind of cool and awesome. Mm. And yet still has like a little personal kind of regeneration moment, which I thought was so much better than Tenants because, oh, because he had dignity. Yes. <laughs> he didn't cry yes. like a little bitch. And I love David Tennant, but I always hated that, that was his regeneration like that. The way he did it. I loved his victory lap. I thought that was fine. Mm. But he's like, I don't want to go. It's like I get it's very real. And the, the Davies was going through a death in his family. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a reason why it was very personal to him the way he wrote it. But just. The, the way that Matt Smith went out and the fact they brought Amy back as like the surprise cameo. I, Good night, Raggedy Man. Like that was perfect. I don't, I loved it. I don't have a hard on for Amy like everybody else. I love Amy, but I mean, there's no, there was no reason for her to be there because, well, there's, he, there's really no, it was kind of like his life flashing before him. It was him going back to his, when he started. I understand the fake. Caitlin running through as yeah. young Amy. Mm-hmm. I can understand that and just kind of make it like one of those things in your life flashing before your eyes. Sure. But having. They're like, just in case you didn't get it. <laughs> well, it was fan service. Just in case. It was fan service. You don't understand what this little redheaded girl is. <laughs> Even though he said Amelia and then Clara asked. It was fan service. But, but because of that, when he regenerates the Capaldi, which I also love the fact that they didn't do the whole thing again. It was just a quick little whoop. Yeah, there's you're just gone. There's Capaldi, and he's kind of crazy. He's He's got his Scottish accent, and the reason he has a Scottish accent, because the last person that the doctor saw, because just like Tennant picked up Rose's accent, because Rose was the last person, he's got a Scottish accent. Now, the first doctor to have a Scottish accent. Now, I know this is not as big a thing of the first doctor who's going to be black, or the first doctor that's a woman, because both will be awesome, or the first gay doctor, for God's sake. I don't care. But the fact that oh. this... That was kind of a little Eccleston-y. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the doctor dances. But no, the fact that the doctor, that, that, that we have a Scottish doctor, and especially for Capaldi, who, if you've seen his stuff, he is far more entertaining in his na- his natural Scottish accent than he is in anything else. So I was thrilled when that sort of revealed itself, you know? I, I just enjoyed the uh, the little meme picture that I saw recently where it's that scene, mm-hmm. and it's Clara going... Why do you sound like you're from Scotland? And then his, it's a picture of him looking at her and it says, lots of planets have a Scotland. <laughs> that was really funny too. Um, so basically, you know, end of the time of the doctor, you got Capaldi going, uh, do you know how to fly this thing? <laughs> and he's kind of freaking out because they're crashing, which is your classic, you know, oh God, what's happening now? You know, Matt Smith was crashing with his thing. His fucking tenant blew up the damn TARDIS. I mean, I'm excited. I think Capaldi's going to be an amazing doctor. I'm really looking forward to seeing. And this week, they started filming. Mm-hmm. So I am hoping that we're going to get either an official reveal of his outfit 
or we're going to start seeing something. Leave. I can deal without it. It'll uh, just be back. I am just, I want to see. I want to know what direction they're going to go. I want to know if they're going to go back to the more plain, not that Eccleston and Tennant were plain, plain, but like, you know, just a little more muted. Or are they going to go full on with what Matt Smith was going towards, which was like the Victorian jacket and bow tie? And but why do you need to see it now? Because we're know. recording this in the middle of in the middle of January. Yeah, it's not. It's gonna not going to be, be on for months. Yeah. I got to know. I got to know. I really, no. <laughs> but just, remember, Doctor Who is for me probably the most like I care the most about any genre, anything. It, it's Doctor Who. See, for me, it's Star Trek. Yeah, like I'm a huge Trekkie. I I know that. For my wedding, I want a huge L car of either Voyager mm-hmm. or the Defiant. <laughs> nice. Where are you um, gonna put that? I, I don't care. I'm working in somewhere. There'll be like um, a touch screen. You gotta yeah, go like, in and sign in that way. Or I, I understand like why you have this like fervent desire to know all things yeah. instantly. All, all the but, geeks that have like their obsessions. Like yeah. you don't want to have it spoiled. Like I don't want to know what the stories are gonna be, but I do kind of want to know what the doctor is going to be because this doctor will be around for at least the next couple of years and again that's going to be an important thing for me so. one can hope mm-hmm. one can hope because there's one last thing i want to i want to mention about the uh time of the doctor yep okay um as he's which one was this again <laughs> christmas <laughs> name okay, night day you. time got it all right <laughs> um that was good it, as he's doing his regeneration piece and he's dying, um, and he's flinging regenerative energy all around. Yep. Or actually, I'm sorry. Well, after he's Swing imbued with imbued with uh, <laughs> a whole new regeneration cycle, That's so good. He's taking out ships left, right, and center, and a beam goes and seals up the crack in the sky. Yes. Or or it just seals up or whatever. Well, it'd be one thing if it just sealed. Regeneration energy was shot at it and closed it up. I don't think so. Is that it? I've seen it twice. I don't remember. I just remember it closing. So you think he sealed it? I don't know. I'm not saying he did. But regeneration energy was flying all around. Uh-huh. And one of the beams that came out of his arms yeah. hit that. Because now instead of that crack being on the wall in the building. It's up in the sky. It was in the sky. And that's where... Because Clara does this impassioned speech to you the. You gotta save him, please. You know, you know who he is. You know he doesn't need to say it. Yeah. You know, Which, help uh, him change, hello. help him change his future. Right. And then that's when they, you know, the the crack opens up in the sky. Here's a new regeneration cycle. Deus Go for it. Machina, and we're done. So that's the last thing that I wanted to to mention in that because so that could go anywhere. I'm curious to see if it does anything. I, my guess because I, I've been thinking about some of this stuff and I can based on the way Moffat's done other stuff. You've been that, thinking about this? I could hardly tell. You think it's cute? Stop. Um, they're not going to go anywhere with it. I'm sure it won't. But I, it was interesting. Hey, be careful because remember when he just lost his hand and his hand well, grew that's back. That's true. That's true. They got a lot of mileage well, at that. That hand was in Torchwood. That hand came back and regenerated yeah. as it's like like helped him not die. The hand, oh, then the hand became example. a whole nother doctor. Well, I guess. I guess my my thought in saying that is a lot of times they'll have these little things like the being stuck in the time stream that you think, okay, they're going to do, and then it doesn't. Oh, well, I know. But I mean, and and speaking of the hand, because the one thing we did not touch on in this whole thing, we talk about this new regeneration cycle, yeah. is that as everybody's sitting there going, what are they going to do about the fact that we've oh. had these regenerations? Runs out a lot. And Eleven sits there and actually says, 
to runs it all down. To the fans. Basically tells everybody yeah. in this episode, um, I had all these lives. Tenet I, used it. Oh, my I, uh, counted. He's saying like, this is his speech. Well, yeah, yeah as he's telling you know. Tenet, Tenet was greedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was going through, he was going through, uh, Appearance, appearance issues or like he, he made a comment about oh, yeah, it yeah. but he but he recounts all 13 which just makes me feel like we were cheated out of the valley art um that's a whole other just thing. a little yeah. just a little bit especially if you're gonna name drop the valley art in the name yeah. of the doctor See, and that's why i think they're not done with that I which think one's the valley art the penultimate it should be his 12th yeah and he's the thing that time that he harassed and pros- persecuted the doctor and the oh yeah yeah Time of the Tile Triumph Lord, yada, yada. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that. It is kind of weird that they name dropped and then didn't. And then, and then because of the way that all I this works out, it doesn't. It. I would love it if for some reason Capaldi actually somehow is the Valyard, but not just the Valyard. Like maybe they split him or something weird like happened. They play that out as the next like storyline. But anyway, that, who knows? Um, and then the last thing that, that just kind of came out of this set, I've seen some people bring up, um, and I'm sure it's not the way this is going to be. But are we now at technical doctor, what, 14, 13? No, 14. he's the 12th. Technically, no. BBC posted a thing today. I read it on the Google. I understand. He's the 12th doctor. I understand. But he's, no matter what, he's not the 12th doctor. He's not the 12th, and he's not the 12th body or the 12th regenerate or whatever, but he is the 12th doctor. That's what they're going to go with, though. If they ever, you know, have to refer to it. I, I still don't, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, you know what, if anything, it solved the whole 13 lives problem, but it threw a whole new problem for nerds and Dr. Hoofanacs to freak out about. It doesn't is, matter! Well, and of course it doesn't matter, but it's just funny to me, and I bet you that it's a little bit of a sense of humor in Moffat to do that just to fuck with people, but it also gets rid of this as a problem. If the next, that's each doctor, like actor lasts for at least three or four years, we're talking about 36 to 48 potential years of Doctor Who before we have to deal with this 13 thing again. Unless, of course, you know, we get another tenant in there and he's just using regenerations left and right, but uh, I'm glad that he took care of that because it really just annoyed the hell out of me. I'm like, they're going to come up with a solution. Just don't worry about it. Or if they take another, what, like 20-year hiatus. I mean, you know, oh, it took us 50 years to get through 13. We have that happen. <laughs> Are there any final thoughts? I know We have been, no, I know, we, a lot of thoughts, a lot of Doctor Who geekiness. If you're not a Doctor Who fan, I don't know how you made it this far, unless you just really love us. Uh, which some of you do. We had a recently a letter that I just have to mention now that was really special. And, uh, we're going to talk more about that and maybe even follow up with him in a future episode, mm-hmm. but, uh, really special. Um, any uh, final thoughts? No, I think we covered all of I think, it. I think that's, that's it. Close. I think it's time to, uh, pull the TARDIS shaped dildo out of Brian's ass, mm. though. <gasps> well, I just wanted again, that call back. Like, I, my back still hurts <laughs> from working oh. out. I just couldn't. Oral's trying to get ripped for uh, the next Aww. installment of Dragons the New Spandex. Mm. All right. Well, on that note, uh, Flame Off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to Nerdy Show. Dot com. 
you can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 